0: and uh, we're in the second part uh, of our Lifescape, and we started in, Janu- in, in January. We, we, <laughs> we started something in January. <laughs> we started in September with, with Lifescape, which is a look at the, the, the landscape of your life and, and uh, getting an understanding of the identity of who you are and understanding that unlike the landscape that surrounds your house, which is unchangeable, the landscape of your life changes according to the perception of who you are and your relationship with Christ. And so the, 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 the view that you stand from as you look at your life shifts and changes as you get a greater revelation of who you are in Christ. Amen? And so we're um, looking now and we're going through Romans 8. And Romans 8 chapter 1 um, says this, um, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh. On account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. You know, one of the first times I was in Delhi... Um, I was um, just amazed by the as I'm driving through um, the uh, into the suburbs of the city, away from the the businessmen and the tourists. Um, you get into the kind of the real part of Delhi and uh, the real part of India, and and uh, what uh, what amazed me was just that the level of poverty. In fact, actually, in all over uh, India, poverty hits you at every level, and uh, what you find is that the um, the poverty is is everywhere. But when you get into the suburb, suburbs, um, you'll, you'll have little five-year-olds um, begging on the streets, in fact, right in the middle of the traffic. And, and uh, you're driving along. You get to a traffic junction and you'll suddenly see um, a grubby little face at the window in the middle of all the traffic. And there's a, there's, there's a child <laughs> begging for money. Um, and then you'll see people... Um, the, the poorest walking along the streets and, and, and uh, with a stick and on the end of the stick is a magnet. And they'll take any opportunity they can just to pick up any scrap metal they can so they can sell it on uh, and just get some kind of money. Those who are wealthy enough to own a bicycle will turn that bicycle into a vehicle that would transport what we would use a transit van for, <laughs> and they would just load it with as much stuff as they possibly can, and and it looks the size of a transit van by the time they finish it. And somewhere in the middle of this huge bundle of things is a person with a push bike, and they've only got two wheels. I've no idea how they how they ride them, you know. But but what amazes me is is as you look at it. And the thing that really got to me the most, particularly when I was actually up in Kashmir um, talking to some people who you're aware of, um, not only are they held by the grip of poverty, but they're just constrained. They have, they've never seen the ocean. It's one of those things that you just take for granted. You, you can just see the ocean. Even if people live in the middle of the, the UK, we've got dear friends who live in Sheffield, just about as far away from the ocean as you get. But, but everyone has seen the ocean. Yeah. <laughs> they just Everyone has seen it. Ever get a feel for it. But you have got these people, they've never seen this. They've got no idea. I was talking to one guy um, who, because we're just walking along the street, everyone wants to talk to you and talk to one guy and, when I said I'm from, first I said I was from Scotland, blank face, he's never heard of Scotland, sorry, <laughs> not heard of it, um, England, didn't understand that either, <laughs> uh, London, and, and so, but he trans- translated London as Tokyo, um, so he thought that we were from, we met him for three days running and he was convinced, we couldn't get out of him, that we're not in, not in Tokyo, London, we <laughs> We don't look Japanese under, under any circumstances. We're, we're British, and, but it, it wasn't going in. Because he had no concept of a wider world. Yeah. Just, just locked into this place. And, and the thing that struck me about the poverty was the chains that bound them to a place with no choice. They were, po- what poverty does is it takes away choice. Yeah. It takes away dignity. And it, it, it takes away hope. Yeah. What well, poverty, it's, it's, it's changed. Poverty are chains to a certain strict sort of structure, and it's very, very difficult for people who are that poor to make any choices that will help improve their circumstances. They've got very, very few options available to them to break out of that. And their world is very, very small. Their their um, education is small, so they, so they have no ability to change the circumstances by which they're gripped. And And you know, this morning, I want to speak about the chains that Christ has broken for us. In Romans chapter 3, sorry, Romans chapter 8, and verse three, it says, for what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin, he condemned sin in the flesh. Uh, and I want you to understand that that the true poverty of humanity is, is not the lack of wealth, but it is the lack of relationship. The true poverty Of humanity is the lack of relationship. Because the state of this world is framed around the fact that that this humanity doesn't know Christ. And we know how people's lives dramatically change and improve the moment they meet Christ. And what happens to your family? Can I say, parents, one of the most critical things that you can do in raising your children is Take, raising them in the house of God and continuing to raise them in the house of God through all of their days. Yeah. Not just when they child. A lot of parents raise their children from the teenage up until they get to around sort of 10, 11. And, and maybe their heart drifts a bit from church. The Worst thing you can do is let your child drift. If you, if, you let, if you drift from your heart from the house of God, your children will be swept away by the current of it. Yeah. And they will never be in the house of God. They'll get to their teenage years and they'll just think it's irrelevant. The most important thing you can do with your children is keeping them in the house of God through all of the years, being consistent through the good times and through the really, really hard times. You're consistent through it. Your children will thank you because their children, your grandchildren, will be in the house of God worshiping God. And uh, otherwise, they won't be anywhere near the house of God. And we've seen it so many times, parents. Losing their children away from them because they just drifted at a certain point. They stopped being consistent in the house of God. I, 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 That's it got nothing to do with my notes. I'm just losing that point altogether now. <laughs> <laughs> but the true poverty of humanity, the change that binds us. We read that Jesus Christ said he, came, he who the Son sets free is free indeed. Yeah. But the problem with that scripture, I have I've spoken on this many times, is the problem with liberty in this country is we've got no concept of being bound. Yeah. Yeah. Free from what? Free to do what? I'm free. I can, I can, you know, given enough opportunity, I can get enough money to fly anywhere. I can do anything I, I want to do within limitations and, and, and sort of restrictions. But pretty much anyone can do anything. Yeah. Regardless of what financial state your life is in, you still can do pretty much anything you like. And so liberty is this concept of, well, he's set me free, set me free in my heart. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> but Christ has come to set you free. Free from what? Well, there is a bondage and the bondage of a heart is the true issue of, Of what is really going on in your life. And it is the poverty of isolation. Isolation is the lack of relationship with Christ. Have you ever noticed what happens. When you have a friend and you don't stop talking to them as much. The isolation creates distance. We've got some very dear friends that we left down south and we moved up here. There was no ill intent. There's no, it's just, they're just friends. But now when we meet with them, we talk and, hi, how are you doing? Oh, Oh, The only conversation we can have is conversations we had 20 years ago. Because there's now no relationship. There's nothing else to talk about. And once we've stopped talking about 20 years ago, we've got nothing else. And so we're just smiling at each other. (laughs) Aha. Ah, oh, nice. Ah, oh, wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> Time. Look at that. <laughs> Got to go. <laughs> because there's nothing left. Relationship creates, isolation creates a divide, and the divide creates a lack of freedom and liberty within. When, you, when you're friends with someone, it creates an opportunity to do things yeah. and, and share in a life that otherwise you wouldn't have. Friendship creates a spark of understanding, a bouncing of ideas. One of the things that I love to do is just catch up with people, spend time with them, have lunch with them and just talk and talk about stuff, anything. Why? Because what relationship does is it creates a bond of friendship that, that sparks ideas and knowledge and understanding, perceptions of each other, ideas of how you work stuff through. I was having lunch with Neil. Um this week and uh, we were just talking through about websites and understanding how the Junction Church uh Inverness have got a new website. It's called the Junction.church. It's got they've got the best website address ever. They've nicked it. And uh and we don't have it. But Owen Pastor Owen said we could have it uh and we combine it together. And so we were just talking about Neil's just throwing these up. Now at my friendship with Neil is enabling me to understand about websites. Relationship creates a liberty. Until I had that conversation, I was bound by my ignorance. See, isolation creates ignorance. It creates a lack of, because there's, if there's no conversation, there's no ability to learn. And what happens is that we, if we're in our isolation, we lose our conversation with God, we end up with the imagination of our own mind without God. Yes. And you know what happens? You know, recently, I was just reading, in fact, yesterday, I was reading on the news about the death of a off-limits city photographer. Have you ever heard of these guys? What they do is, the, you get. it's now the latest craze, um, you get these photographers. They're kind of, um, who are the guys that run along on buildings and jump over things? It's a... Uh, Parkour, so it's kind of like parkour, but it's, it's a little bit more arty than that. It's um, and what they do is they they run onto buildings that are not allowed to sort of climb and they climb up um, on top of bridges, etc. And they take the most extraordinary uh, photographs. And this guy um who on Instagram he was known as Heavy Minds, on Earth, and he was just killed um, just a few days ago. Um, by climbing onto a New York subway um, and he got onto the subway and then he got between the carriages and he climbed onto the roof, hit something above him and was killed. And, and of course, everyone on the internet is going, oh, what a tragedy, And, and, and it really is a tragedy, but because what they're looking at is they've lost the guy that was taking these extraordinary photographs. And if you go on his Instagram account, they're beautiful pictures of the city from an angle you would never normally see them at. But I thought the real tragedy was this. It was what his girlfriend wrote. This is the tragedy, it's this. She wrote this, and this is desperately sad, right? So don't, don't cry, all right? <laughs> I'm at a loss for words. I just want to talk to you again, to hear you laugh at me about how I'm being jealous over everything. We had so many plans together, Chris. Why did this have to happen? I am beyond destroyed. I've lost the love of my life. Nothing will ever be the same again. Absolutely nothing. It's sad, isn't it? See, what this guy was pursuing, and his last post before he died was his photograph of his feet dangling off the top of a tower block, hundreds and hundreds of feet in the air above a city. A a, a stunning photograph. And he wrote this, it's lonely up here. And I looked at that and I was listening. I just thought to myself, he missed the point. While he's lonely on top of a building, his girlfriend's at home waiting for him to come home. See, the true nature of life is about relationship, not about achievement. It's about relationship. It's about who you do life with, not what you did in life. Those are the things that make the difference. Now, there is an eternal difference. And that eternal difference is who we do life with in God. Who are we spending our spiritual life with? See, God created us in his image. And so we have to understand that if God made us in his image, then we have to know that without relationships, we're not just lost, we're bound. And without that eternal relationship, we're eternally lost. You see, God said, let us make man in our image. The whole purpose of creation was God creating us to be in a close personal, interactive relationship with us. That's the purpose of our being here. It's not just so that we can sing. It's not so that we can feel the choir he has in heaven. It's not that we're not the choir. The angels are the choir. They're the servants. We're the sons. Angels are servants. We're sons. God created us for relationships. He said, let us make man in our image. We were created in the image of God for the purpose of relationship. And what else? Nothing. (laughs) Nothing. That's the whole point of life. Life is about relationship because everything of value flows out of relationship. Everything of, of love flows out. A loving relationship creates an extraordinary life. And so what happens is that God created us in his image. But what happens is that when there is a breakdown in a relationship like the Garden of Eden. What was the Garden of Eden? We think the Garden of Eden was all about the sin. It was about Adam and it was about Eve being deceived. And it, was a, it really wasn't about all of those things. What it was really about was a breakdown of relationship. Yeah. It was, a, it was about the isolation of man from God. Yeah. And what happens is that, is that man became bound by his isolation. Yeah. And he lost the knowledge of his true identity in the ignorance of his godless imagination. The moment you disconnect with the father, you lose the ability to imagine the things that the father would want you to see. Because he's no longer in your world. The problem we have in life. Christ came to set us free. And we don't know what that freedom is. Because we can't see what it is. That he's showing us. Because we're not living in the relationship. Wow. Just think about that for a while. Say la. (laughs) Christ called us. To live a life with him. That we may be connected with the Father. The Father created us that we might know him. Sin separated us. Christ came and gave his life. You see, when you think about the issue of sin as an issue of relationship and the breakdown of relationship, Christ's sacrifice on the cross makes perfect sense. Suddenly, it's about Christ's Going, I will give my life that your creation, your children may be reconnected to us again. So when Christ gave his life upon the cross, he gave his life as a seed that the Holy Spirit who was in Christ may be poured out on all who believe in him that we may be as, as Christ. We may be like Christ. We may be joined with Christ to the Father. And suddenly we understand that it's all about relationship and not about anything else. We spend our life being pursued about objectives and, and dreams and visions and, and all of that and all of those things are important for the purpose of how we do life. But the fundamental foundation of knowing your liberty is found in your relationship with the Father. And that is what holds us together. You see, believing in Christ is more than being saved. It's being alive. Believing in Christ is being alive. And being alive is being in a relationship. Mm -hmm. I married Cheryl 20... How many years ago now, Cheryl? (laughs) (laughs) 28 years ago. (laughs) Married Cheryl 28 years ago. For 28 years, I've been married, right? I'm in a relationship. I am married, Well, when we're in Christ, I am alive. It equals the same thing. In Christ, I'm alive. Outside of Christ, I'm not alive. Why? Because I'm bound by the poverty of my isolation. Suddenly, I'm living in a squatter camp somewhere with no ability to choose or see what life can really give me. Just living on the breadcrumbs of life when really we should be living in the fullness of what is out there. Humanity has un- lives in extraordinary poverty, but Christ has given us an extraordinary life. And when we come to Christ, he comes to set us free and have a full relationship with him. Does that make sense to you? And so often we meet, I mean, people who live in extraordinary wealth, but they're extraordinarily poor because their poverty of their mind is so isolated, their heart, so chilled, their spirit, that they have no ability to know what life is really about. And so bitterness and anger and hurt and, and all kinds of things grip them and hold them in, in the squatter camp of poverty. But Jesus Christ came to set us free. He gave his life that we may have a life of relationship. Let me read this to you. It says in Romans chapter 8 and verse 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up For us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Now, if poverty is isolation, then true wealth is reconciliation. If poverty is isolation, then true wealth is reconciliation. When Christ reconciled our separation, he also guaranteed our consolidation. When Christ reconciled Our isolation, he guaranteed our consolidation. In other words, when he dealt with what was causing you to be separated in your relationship from God, he dealt with that separation. There was a divide between us. Let's say that James is God. I know it's difficult to imagine. (laughs) And I'm sinful man. That's even more difficult to imagine. (laughs) There is a divide between us. But Christ, in giving his life, took away the divide and the isolation that I was feeling and brought me back to the Father that I may sit. (laughs) I didn't know the Father had such fluffy hair. (laughs) What happens is that there is a when the divide and what happens when Christ gave his life we're brought back together and guaranteed in a consolidation that draws us in a relationship never to be broken again yeah. Yeah. see once you have been drawn back to the father your whole life is about the relationship that you build with him yeah. not In isolation, we get isolated in our thinking, forgetting that we are actually living in the house, living in the palace of the king. And we lose sight of the palace because we're looking at the contents of our natural life. But you see, what happens is that we we tend to look at our our life from a natural perspective. When it says here, it says, it says in verse 32, He who did not spare his own son but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely, freely give us all things? Here's the problem of that thinking right there. The moment you read, freely give us all things, your mind naturally goes to material yeah. place. Yeah. You think all things. Huh. He's given me all things. car. House, job, clothes, nice designer clothes, (laughs) nice boots. I like boots. And uh, (laughs) I like jackets. There are things I like. He gives me all things. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. (laughs) Your mind goes to natural things. But we have to understand that the limitations that bind your life are spiritual first, not natural. They're spiritual and they infect your natural. The spiritual problem of your isolation, your unbelief, that's a spiritual thing. Your doubt, that's a spiritual thing. And what that does is it infects your natural world and causes it to stumble. So you look at your natural world and go, there's a problem with my life, with my job, my work, my relationships, and all these people, things, stuff around me, natural things. But the problem is in the relationship you have with God. Deal with the spiritual. Christ came to give us all things. And so we have to understand, if if he's come to give us all things then those things which he's come to give us is all of the things in a relationship. We just think he's come to give us things like... we. If you start thinking of things as in objects, keyboard, keyboard stand, drums, speaker. Actually, I don't even think that speaker works. We just use it as something to hold the drums up with. <laughs> We once had something very looking. It was a marvellous looking speaker with lots of knobs and everything. It was on the stage for years and years. It never worked once. It just <laughs> held things up. <laughs> Eventually, we managed to throw it away. <laughs> you think of things. The moment you think of things in terms of material objects, your world becomes limited to though how many objects you can think of. Your world gets smaller. Smaller. Start thinking bigger. How do I think bigger than objects? I think of a relationship with my father. When you're in a relationship with a husband and wife, you're in love with someone in a relationship that has extraordinary potential. You can just live your life. When you start, when Sharon and I started our life together, she was 16 when we met, I was 19, and we just fell in love. Oh, that's so sweet. <laughs> we made everyone else puke. <laughs> and our life ahead of us, extraordinary potential. We didn't know Scotland was in us. We, we didn't know what was in us. We just... There was, it wasn't limited to things. It was a relationship that could take you anywhere. When you... Believe in Christ, your relationship with the Father. Start thinking about a relationship with the Father that can take you anywhere. It's so not anymore about things as in objects, it's about the things which God can do through you without limitation. There is no limitation in our relationship. With Christ. The Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7 But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. Here's the issue with the measure you can't measure the gift according to the measure of Christ's gift. Well, his gift wasn't an object. It was the fullness of life with the Father. It is immeasurable. And so we are in Christ according to the measure. You know what? Your liberty will never truly know its own capacity until you've measured it against the Father's devotion to you. Your liberty will never know the fullness of its capacity until you've measured it against the Father's devotion to you. What happens? Well, what can I do? How can I, how can my life change? Father, I come back to you today. Heavenly Father, I thank you that you gave your life, your son. Father, I thank you that you gave your son for me, that I may have relationship with you. My life is full of liberty because I am in you and you are in me. Anything is possible. I'm not constrained by physical things. I'm not held back. I love this scripture in 2 Corinthians 5. I'm going to finish on this. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 20 says this. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ as though God were pleading through us. We implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might become the. That's an important word there. The. It's a defining word, it sets the standard. We might become the righteousness. Of God in Him. Now that in itself is such a difficult statement to fully get the grip of, because it's a statement without limitation. It's like looking at the universe and going, "That's your back garden." Well, how do I get to the back of it? (laughs) I don't know. It's that big. It's how do I define it? I don't know. It's too big. We are the righteousness of God in Him because of what Christ did. He came to restore a relationship for you that you might have a life so huge, so profound, so free. Break out of the limitation that you place around your fears, your doubts, your hurts and every other material thing that grips your heart and come back to the Father and go, thank you, you sent your son because now I'm free. Thanks for listening. If you have any questions or you'd like to find out contact information or service times, then don't forget to visit our website, www.junctionchurch.com. God bless.